Hey everyone, it's the Women's Hoops and Talk podcast with Tara and Kendall. We are here elevating the voice of women in basketball. Kendall, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Well, I am really fired up because since the last time we talked, two players in the NBA have gone off for 50 points in uh, less than 30 minutes, and they happen to both be trailblazers. It's really exciting um, to have them be, they're only the second and third players in the NBA to actually have done that. The first obviously being Clay Thompson, Um, but it's exciting to have them both do it. I think it was within 10 days of each other they did it too. So um, I definitely, obviously, from a fan perspective, I love it. But then also, I just I love that now they're getting a little more attention just around the league, uh, which obviously well deserved. But um, yeah, I think this people they're always in the conversation for one of the best backcourts in the NBA, and I think this definitely helps elevate them even more. Um, and now people are saying that maybe they're the most explosive backcourt in the NBA. Um, because obviously, if they can come out and do this back to back, clearly they uh, they're pretty explosive. So I read that the other, the only other teammates who have scored fifty points within days of each, ten days of each other, were Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do it within thirty minutes. No, they didn't. Um, yeah, so that's even more impressive. That was back in 84. So they did. When I went and I looked it up, I was like, okay, did they have the three point line? And they did indeed have the three point line. Of course, they weren't shooting as many threes, but they did have the three point line. But that's pretty good company to be in, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, even though, yeah, the three point wasn't as it, it wasn't obviously used quite as much back then. It was still, it's a very different play style. So it's still to be able to shoot the three ball today isn't necessarily easier than it was then. So it's still very impressive either way. Absolutely. So you brought up, you know, that they're often mentioned as the um, one of the best backcourts who I put you on the spot a little bit because we didn't talk about this beforehand. But who do you think are like, let's say the top three backcourts in the league right now? The top three backcourts? Um, I mean, I definitely, like, you kind of have to go with, with obviously, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Um, as much as I don't like to say that, um, I n- watch enough basketball, know enough about the lead to know that, that they're definitely the best backcourt in the NBA. And as unbiased as possible in this, I truly do think that um, Damon CJ are the second best. I know, obviously, people will kind of fight me on that, but... Um, I really think that they, if not two, then three, and two and three are very close. My third, though, kind of bounces around. Um, it kind of changes. Um, it used to be, I used to always say it was it was John Wall and Bradley Beal. But this season, they haven't been playing. I mean, obviously, John Wall is injured. He's out right now. But the time that they did spend together this season They just weren't playing together the way that they used to. Um, And obviously there's been a lot coming out now of saying how teammates haven't been happy with John Wall and all that. So I think that obviously that plays into it. Um, If you're not getting along with their teammates, you're not going to be playing as well together. But I don't think they're – I think they're still definitely up there um, when they are both playing. But I think number three now is is, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. 
Yeah, I that's who I thought three. you were going to pick as number three. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was thinking that you might possibly want to put them up, even maybe up there at number two. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I think they're the problem with them, and this is kind of a pretty well known thing, is that as Gray's there in the regular season, they're kind of known to fall apart in the playoffs. So I'm hoping that obviously right now they're number one in the East. Um, they just passed Boston, I think, two days ago. Um, so hopefully they maintain that and they actually <laughs> kind of maintain that in the playoffs too. Um, the, they've both been playing very well, but obviously DeMar has been having a career season. So I'm hoping that they kind of maintain that through the playoffs and they um, don't do what they do every other year. <laughs> so, Well, maybe with the culture change that they have their team, you know, supposedly under undergone, it's a, a basketball culture change in the way mm-hmm. that they've been playing. And it seems like, I don't know if it's exactly a system that they're playing, but they're playing a style of basketball that gets more use out of the rest of the players. So, mm-hmm. you know, those two are still able to, you know, go off and score a lot of points, but they've opened up other possibilities, which might be a better uh, style of play for the playoffs. So we'll see if mm-hmm. they can, they know. And the, I mean, the thing about them is they know that's what they <laughs> got to, they know yeah. that's what it's all yeah. about. It's no secret to them. But yeah, I think that with their new playing style, I think it really feeds into the idea of um, people always say good players are good on their own, but great players make other players around them good. So I think that that style is what's kind of helping with that. Their their team is now getting better. And before it was, yeah, they have this really great backcourt, but they're, and they have a couple other pieces um, that are consistent, but they're not, they're not a championship level team. Um, they're a championship level backcourt, but they're not a championship level team. And I think that's also kind of a similar issue that obviously the Blazers have. Like the Blazers are known for we have the we average one of the least amount of assists in the league. So things like that, I think it's when you start involving other people and you start really promoting other people and other players on the team and getting them out of kind of their normal role and then like increasing their role improving the role that really like ultimately helps so I think that's really what the Raptors are doing this year and they're doing a very good job at it Um, a lot of teams don't succeed at it that quickly once they start doing that it's usually kind of trial and error for a little bit but they got right into it and have been doing really good with it so yeah like I said hopefully they can maintain that through the playoffs well things are definitely exciting in the east and like while you were talking i thought of like five potential segues into our next topic because they're all (laughs) relevant you know speaking of uh players making other players around them better or speaking of the fight for the first place in the east or whatever let's Mm -hmm. talk about what the Cavs did at the trade deadline i mean we were ready. I mean, people were ready to be like, you know what? This is it. I think, you know, we all, everybody's always like, I never, I, I would never ever bet against LeBron. But if there was ever a time where I might possibly think about possibly betting against LeBron, this is it. And lo and behold, the trade deadline comes and the Cavs, I mean, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your what's your reaction to uh, all of those moves that the Cavs did at the trade? I mean, you don't have to like talk about every one specifically. Yeah. But in general, <laughs> what was your reaction to what the Cavs? It was did? actually really, it was actually really funny. Um, I'm I'm out in LA right now. I'm working. Um, I'm interning at Fox Sports. 
um, or FS1 specifically. And I was actually expecting to check my phone and have some bid trade happen or at least a couple small ones or something. And I woke up to nothing. So that to me was either, okay, something big is about to come or this is going to be a really boring day. So I got ready, went on my way, and I actually have um, Woj. I have his tweets on notification. And uh, I'm about 15 minutes or about 10, 15 minutes away from work. And I did a notification where he tweeted out and said, teams are starting to let me know that like they're backing out. So a lot of the pulling out of the market is they basically saying things aren't working out the way everyone wanted. Teams are kind of giving up. So I saw that and I'm like, okay, well, it's done. The day's day's over. Not going to have an interesting. And I work obviously in sports. So I'm around sports fans and I'm around Lakers fans because I'm in LA. Pretty much everyone I work with is a huge Lakers fan. So Never would I've ever thought that the Cavs and Lakers would have somehow made a deal. But as I park my car and I'm walking into work, I get the notification that Isaiah Thomas has been traded to the Lakers. And obviously, like, I, like, sprinted in my work and got in there and everyone's freaking out. And obviously, like, there's the side of we have to do our job. But then, half, like, everyone in there is a Lakers fan. So then people are, like, freaking out because that was just something we we had not expected. And then... As we're kind of doing, obviously we're working where um, my job is I, I help with social media. So I'm doing like making graphics of all these different things. And it's like it from there, it just didn't stop. It was like every 15, 20 minutes, by the time we kind of got a hold of whatever the trade was, something new came. And we were like, oh, it's another trade. And we look and it's, oh, the Cavs made another trade. And it just every time we were like, is there another team that's going to make a trade that's not going to be the Cavs? And it seemed like pretty much every trade that happened that day was through the Cavs. So it was the most players traded on trade deadline from one team. And I think it was said like 30 years or something. Like there was some crazy amount. It was just, it, it was very interesting and honestly really impressive. It's not, e- it's not easy to make trades and then to make that many trades all within like an hour and a half of each other and then have them all be successful trades. I know a lot of people are like, oh, ultimately you just traded Kyrie for Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson. It's like, well, yes, in a way, but at the same time, time like it's clearly I mean it's only been one game but it's working out for them and it looks like it's going to work out for them like they're back to being the threat in the Eastern Conference not that even with their problems I never had any doubt they were going to leave the East um but obviously a lot of people did and now people are right back to okay they're going to the finals so it was very impressive but also very just overwhelming um being at work dealing with that because obviously my job was kind of revolving around it so it was a it's a very different experience than I'm usually used to on trade deadline but it was a it was a lot of fun so that that's super cool how fun to be down there while that was all going on now what was the what's the vibe around Los Angeles are they excited because they think this means that now Los Angeles is gonna welcome uh LeBron because they cleared space for him is that what everybody's thinking or is there like a yeah. more realistic take in there somewhere um no every Lakers fan <laughs> is convinced that this summer they're getting LeBron and Paul George so is there a plan b anywhere or is there just I, there's no plan b well 
now what the Lakers are saying is that when they came out and said, "Oh, we're looking, we're not looking at this summer, we're looking at next summer," because next summer the free, the big free agents are Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, and um, I think there's one more, but those are the big free agents next summer. So if they so, don't get LeBron and Paul George this year, then next year they're going to get Jimmy Butler and um, Kawhi which, Leonard. Yeah, which I don't think there's <laughs> a chance that they get either of them. I think the biggest chance they have of getting any of those players is Clay Thompson. I think he's their best bet, but he's not going to run a team. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I hope that for their organization, I think I hope they get someone. Um, I hope it's not LeBron. I wouldn't. I would be okay if it was Paul George, um, but I. I'm really hoping that LeBron. I really want LeBron to stay in Cleveland personally, but um, it's not looking like that's gonna happen. After these trades, though, I think it looks definitely more likely. I still think it's leaning more towards no, but I mean, you never know. It was nice to see um, Isaiah Thomas have a good game. His first game back in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. Are people? pretty much considering that he's going to just be there for the year um, or is, are they, are they talking about him into the future? Well, what I think is funny is I, I mean, personally, um, I, I haven't heard a ton about that from kind of what I have been hearing is especially when the trade first happened is they were like, Oh, well, he's only here for half of the season and he's leaving. But then people started kind of discussing like kind of at my work and um, saying like, okay, well, Who's going to sign him right now? Um, because what's interesting is Isaiah Thomas went from how high on a pedestal he was last year in Boston and how, oh, he's Mr. Fourth Quarter. He's the the best closer in the league. He's all like, it's all these different things to literally two months into this season. And he's one of the most hated players in the league. To, so to see that, turn so fast was just it was it was interesting because you know you don't see that very often without there being a scandal involved usually they're the player usually the player has to do something they have to get arrested for something or they come out and they say some comment or whatever and he I mean I think one of the big turning points is obviously the Kevin Love situation but even then there's a lot of people who I think either didn't really look into that or just didn't really care. Cause even before that people didn't like him. So it's interesting to see how fast that turned. And then now in LA kind of the vibe is okay, well he's doing good right now, but what's going to happen when Lonzo comes back? Cause Lonzo's not going to come off the bench. Let's pivot and uh, start introducing our the guest that we talked to today because uh, she has a, a, an interesting perspective, kind of different from what we've been talking about because we're going to be talking, we're going to share our interview with Ashley Williams. Ashley is a freelance reporter in the, she's been in the Portland area uh, covering local sports for the last few years. Um, she writes for USA, USA Today High School Sports and also she's her work has appeared on S- SB Nation sites, Blazers Edge and Swish Appeal. But her unique uh, perspective is that she has covered a ton of high school players and like the elite high school players. Um, she covers the Les Schwab Invitational Tournament and the, the Nike Hoop Summit. So she's talking to these guys before they've hit peak stardom. 
we're going to uh, talk with her about what that's like and try to get a little bit of insight into what the younger players are like compared to these guys who we've been talking about who've been around and have made a name for themselves, good or bad, uh, based on, you know, what they've done in the NBA. So, yeah, let's go ahead and play our interview with Ashley Williams. So welcome to the show, Ashley. We're really glad to have a chance to talk to you today. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, guys. Well, one of the things that we have, we talk a lot about the NBA on this show, and one thing that we don't talk a lot about is what the players are like or what these men are like before they get into the league. And as somebody who spent a lot of time covering high school sports, especially elite high school sports, we thought it would be a really fun chance uh, opportunity to learn more about what some of these uh, players may have been like when they were very young and what are some of the unique things that the young players in the league are, or, you know, trying to get in the league might be facing. Of course. It's it's an interesting thing, so I'm glad there's an interest in it, you know? So like Tara mentioned, um, on this show, we really have just talked about the NBA and kind of um, talking to other people about what it's like to cover the NBA, but what is so unique about covering high school players? You know, it's funny because you get the access before they're big time, um, but a lot of people say, you know, have you heard about this player, this player, whatever? but they're not truly at the NBA status. So you do get to get the interview, whether they want to or not, um, they're not getting paid for it. So that's, I mean, that's the most like important thing about it, but it's really cool to see them in the environment of just caring so much about their teammates and really just wanting to play and be there. So I think that's the most exciting thing about it. Is there anything that really stands out to you about it that you've kind of um, learned or observed? I mean, I've had the privilege and the blessings of being able to interview high school, college, NBA, WNBA, um, Olympic, you know, at all different levels. And I think high school, they are very humble, Um, not because they are at that point in their life where they're like, okay, you know, I have money, I have status, but it's because they are working and they're still trying to get to the highest pinnacle that they can make. So you really see the hard work, but also still a little bit naive to what goes on. Um, So it's really interesting to be able to be in that mix and that part of their journey. Mm -hmm. So who are some of the, um, the bigger, more well-known players that you've kind of been able to have the chance to talk to? I have had the privilege of covering the Les Schwab Invitational um, for four years now. It's crazy. And the Nike Hoop Summit. So the Hoop Summit is the world versus the USA team. Um, And that's the top talent for the world and the USA. So it's hard for me to pinpoint a lot of players. Um, I mean, you can go Ben Simmons, Michael Porter Jr., uh, De'Aaron Fox. I don't know. Like, you know, just it's, it's it's a lot of players. And it's really cool because... I have a different view and perspective on those players before they do make it to the league. So it's exciting to see when they actually do make it. You know, you're rooting for them. Ashley, for people who don't know, can you explain a little bit about what the Les Schwab Invitational is and what the Nike Hoop Summit is? Absolutely. Um, So I'm a Portland native. So when you say those two things, it's like, duh, you know. (laughs) But um, for other people, you might not be as familiar. The Les Schwab Invitational has been going on for 22 years now. 
And basically, it's a highlight tournament. Um, there is 16 teams. It's a bracket. You know, I think it's a, it's a double elimination. So basically, there are all these teams from Oregon. Um, but also, you have like a probably a group of like five teams who are out of state. So these are like nationally ranked teams. Um, and so you've had Oak Hill, you've had Montverde, you've had all these nationally teams too. Um, and then of course, through the years, you have players who are players that you're going to know about. Um, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, kind of players like that. So it's been really great that I've covered that. Um, the Nike Hoop Summit is a tournament. Actually, it's a game. This is my favorite thing to cover. Um, it's the USA and the World team. And it's at the Moda Center, which is also really cool. You know, it's a pretty big stage for these players. For some of them, they haven't been playing in anything like that before. But basically, it's a week. They come together. They practice with people they've never played with before. But it's the top talent. And then they all play in a game. Um, so it's another showcase of the top talent in the world, really. So when you're covering these players, obviously, they're all very young. And they're still a couple years away from entering the lead. But do any of them ever... Like, does anything about them stand out to you? Like, can you kind of pinpoint, like, looking and going, oh, like, they're definitely going to have a successful career? Like, can you kind of pinpoint that? Well, um, it's kind of hard. (laughs) Covering this tournament, I have players who have been world champions five times. So, it's you know, it's hard when you're like, oh, you're on the USA team? Yeah, well, I have been for the last five years. So, but there's a lot of players, you just kind of know that talent. You see it. Um, the USA team, the format's a little bit different. The coverage in which there is, is they don't let scouts into every practice. Um, there's actually only one practice. Scouts get to see these players. So, it's very different. The world team, these are players who could be playing for a world team um, their actual country team and being paid and playing and scouts see them all the time. So it's very different when you kind of try to, I guess, pick out talent. Um, but, you know, you always get that feeling of someone who just sticks out from maybe their personality or um, everyone's pretty big in size these days. So it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to say, oh, they're super tall. I mean, everyone's kind of super tall, but um, there's just sometimes maybe a little flair or kind of spark in the way they play so that's what I would say you mentioned are there any specific oh sorry sorry <laughs> oh can I go yeah, you, you oh, go. yeah I'll jump in yeah you know <laughs> I have, you know me I always have to go off the script <laughs> um you mentioned earlier that one of the things that you enjoy talking about the young players uh one of the reasons you like talking to the young players is because they're they're kind of humble and about how much mm-hmm. they really uh, like their mm-hmm. teams and especially like the Les Schwab invitational tournament you see them with their entire team so you don't see them like, yeah. just as an individual there you see how they are as as teammates can you elaborate a little bit on you know uh what what it is like to watch teams play with these mm-hmm. high level players and how they adjust and things like that it's crazy i mean there's teams like oak hill who has coach steve smith who has over a thousand wins and you ask them what's different about this team than your old teams. And, it, you know, it's it's crazy to me that you have talent like this every single year. <laughs> and especially when you have players like Bowl Bowl or like it's just their talent is crazy. But then you also still have such a squad that plays in such a systematic and they do play for each other. Um, I've had the best players that I probably ever interviewed, like personal, like 
actual talent players. Whenever I ask them, how did you get this win? Whatever the question may be, my my teammates, my teammates. And I think that's the most fun thing about it. Um, I can remember when I covered Jalen Brown at the Les Schwab tournament. I asked him, I said, you're still undecided for school. And you're just out here playing so hard. Is that because you're still wanting other schools to look at you? It's like, no. He's like, I want my teammates to get the most publicity and the most looks that they can get. And it's just, it's like truly chilling. I just got goosebumps because it's like a high schooler just said that. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it really is amazing that they do play for each other and they really do want to win a state ring. Like, it's the coolest thing that they could do. So, um, I think that's just the most amazing part about it. And these are their high school teams, right? They're not their mm-hmm. AAU teams? No. Um, some of them do transfer and move schools, whether that be from parents' jobs or, you know, just like living situations, whatever the case may be. But, no, these are their high school teams. Um, these are schools that they might not even be nationally ranked teams until that one year. So these are their high school teams. So you just kind of mentioned, um, obviously talking to Jalen Brown, but are there any other stories of players who eventually made it into the lead that you've talked to before they were in the lead? I am a, I guess I'm a crybaby. <laughs> I guess that's what you can um, put my title as, crybaby. Ashley, crybaby Williams. Um, I remember when I was covering a hoop summit and I met Scal LeBissier. I don't know if you guys know that who that player is. Um, but he plays for the Sacramento Kings right now. But when I met him, you know, tall, skinny basketball player, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm sure he's good, whatever. But I, so the Hoop Summit, the reason why I like that format so much, it's a whole week of practices. So really, you can tackle maybe three players a day. You can get to know and really one-on-one with a lot of these players. And that's something that a lot of people don't get to take advantage of. Um, so that's why it's my favorite tournament. But anyways... I actually got to have a conversation with Scal about him being from Haiti and what he got away from. And, you know, it just goes 2020, you know, it just like makes me emotionally even thinking about it. And I actually met back up with him this summer and I got to talk to him about this is the first time this summer he actually got to go back to Haiti and throw a basketball camp. He had money to fund it. He had, you know, the resources and everything. And it's just like, it's, I know it's so cheesy and cliche when they say it's bigger than basketball, but, you know, it really is because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Scal doesn't deserve to be drafted. And I'm sitting here like, don't talk about him. Like, <laughs> just because I know what he comes from and I know what he's been through. So that was one story that was just truly touching. And then you go to cheesy stories like De'Aaron Fox hopping into my interview with somebody else, like just being such a clown and taking the microphone. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many stories of just fun times, but you just really get to know the players before they, you know, before they're thrown into something they've never been into before. So it's just a really cool time. So since we are Blazers Edge podcast, we love to talk about the Blazers here. Um, What are some of your experiences talking to any of the Blazers? I know like you've interviewed uh, Damian Lillard, obviously, but do you have any stories from any of those interviews? Yeah, um, I always have a good time talking to any of the Blazers because, you know, I'm from Portland. So it means a lot when you do get to, I guess, get on that level with your home team. Like, I've always been a Blazer fan. So um, last year at the Les Schwab tournament, I actually got the chance to interview Brandon Roy and I was dying inside. <laughs> 
because it's Brandon Roy. Like I just was trying to act so normal, but I mean, I think it turned out pretty well, but um, he was awesome. And that tournament was great because I actually got to sat on this, sit on the sideline next to Damon Stoudemire. So that was like another added nugget. So I just got to talk to him, but um, it's really cool getting to do that. Um, Brandon Roy was great. He's still having a great coaching career. I'm really proud of him for, you know, just what he's become. Um, Damian Lillard, he's become a really good friend of mine just throughout the years of, you know, covering sports and just being in Portland. And he's just such a good person. Um, I think the last interview I did with him was actually a package on Black History Month, which it is now as well. And um, I, I was, I know I had mentioned this to Tara earlier, but I had interviewed him for this segment for Black History Month and it ended up being like 25 minutes. And I'm like, I got to cut this down to three minutes, but I don't want to because this is such good stuff. But um, it's just really such a treat to be able to connect with the players on a different level than just scoring 50 points a game. You know what I mean? So um, it's just been definitely a blessing to be able to connect with them like that. What were some of the highlights of what he talked about with the uh, Black History Month? He is just he is very proud. Um, he's very proud of where he comes from. He's very proud and he just wants the best for everyone in the situation that he's been in. Um, and he, I think he takes things very personally and he definitely wants everyone to exceed and to be the greatest person that they can be. And I think that's why he works so hard because he really does want to make a path for everyone else. Um, and that's something that I really really respect him for because he could just be out here just doing whatever he wants, but he really does make a point that he cares about other people. And I think that's super important. And I mean, it means a lot to me. I respect him obviously because he can ball it up, but he's just a really great person and he cares about so many other people. Um, And that's, I think that's what he really was just reaching to me in that conversation, how he just takes so much pride in his heritage and he just wants to make a way for everyone through Black History Month and through who he is. So I remember I remember I'm not sure if it was that interview or a different interview that you did with him. But I remember you talking about how it was at the end of a day. It must have been after his summer camp where Mm -hmm. you didn't really think you were going to get a bunch of time with him. But he made sure to that you you know that you were there and he saw that you were there and he made sure to give the time to talk (laughs) to you. Yeah, let me let me clear up that really quick. It was at one of his basketball camps, and um, it was in the summer. And I'm over here watching kids play. I'm having the time of my life. And then I look over. I missed the whole media thing. Like, <laughs> I really like blew. I blew it. Like, so you were watching. Was, you were so into watching camp. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! If there was any time where I would have lost a job, this was it. Like. <laughs> And I like walked outside and I was like, he was, I like, I'm not kidding. I walk outside and they go, okay, that was the last question. And I'm like, <sighs> so I'm like walking back and I like make eye contact with him. And he's like, I got you later. And I was like, okay. So I just sat there. I sat there. I sat there. He did autographs. I'm not even kidding. This man did like 150 autographs for these kids. Like I saw kids go back in line three times. Like he was just signing and signing and signing. And then finally, he was like, come on. He gave me a sit-down, one-on-one interview. No one else got that. And I was just like, man. Like, you know what I mean? Just little things like that. And he's always supported me. I will always support him. 
And that's just one thing that I can always say about him is like, he's, he is real. Like people always talk about, Oh, I would never change, but I don't think Dame will ever change <laughs> in a good way. Like he, he's very real. So that's awesome. We'll have to uh, link to his, uh, the interview that you posted about black history month. That'd, that'd be great to, yeah. um, you know, show that to people again. Cause I remember thinking it was really cool. It's a good trick him, but, um, he knew more than I thought he knew. So he, <laughs> he didn't fall into my trap. So, <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Good for him. <laughs> well, before we wrap it up, we like to ask all of our guests, who is a woman in basketball who has inspired you? You know, um, I grew up, I played basketball my life. I never was like, I'm going to be a basketball player. <laughs> so I never like, you know, you know, you think about Lisa Leslie, you think about Sue Bird, you think about all of them, but um, they never really had an impact on me until I actually got really heavy into the broadcasting biz. And I actually got the opportunity to have a one-on-one with Skylar Diggins. And he was just amazing. Like, not only the player she is, one, she's amazing. She's beautiful. If you've ever, I mean, seen her on the outside. But the way she just talked to me and she was like, I appreciate you. And she's like, please don't give up on your dreams. Like, she was just very inspirational to me. And that's someone who I will always fight for. And she, you know, I will always think of her as someone very highly because she works so hard on the court, off the court. Um, and she really does care about people. So that is someone that I can say, um, a woman in the basketball industry who is definitely, I see a bright future for, but has inspired me heaps and heaps. And she's not, I mean, <laughs> basically the same age, but you know, she's just, she's just someone that I definitely look up to. Awesome. Skylar Diggins. Okay. We will, I will mm-hmm. want to learn more about her now. Well, yeah, Ashley, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us tonight before we sign off. Do you want to tell people how they can uh, find your work? Yeah, absolutely. I have a Twitter. I have an Instagram. They're both the same handle. Uh, Williams Ash Dawn. I have a YouTube channel. If you want to check out some of my cheesy interviews, they're super fun. Wait, I have to, I don't get, don't just call them cheesy because they're not (laughs) cheesy. They're really fun. Talking to these 17 year olds, these, you know, I hang out with a lot of teenagers and they're really hard. And I, let me just put, let me just say, you do a great job of, you know, steering them and you, you ask them kind of funny questions to get them kind of off guard and relaxed. And they're really fun. We'll, we'll link to your YouTube page. Cause I think people should, would really enjoy them. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. This has been really fun. Um, really excited. Have some fun things coming up. So yeah, this is really great. I love to, you know, talk about high school scene because not a lot of people cover it. So it's kind of an interesting thing, but, you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, you guys. Well, that will do it for this edition of Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast. We're hosted by Blazer's Edge, which is part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. If you like what you heard, please go to the Blazer's Edge podcast feed on iTunes or Stitcher. Subscribe and rate and review while you're there. If you'd like, we'd really appreciate that. We release new episodes of the What Podcast every other Thursday in that Blazer's Edge feed. And in addition, you'll get the weekly podcast, which I host with my co-host, Dan Meringue. Or if you just want to get notified when the What Podcast episodes are released, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoops and Talks, and we will let you know every time we post a new episode. I am on Twitter at TCBBIGGS. 
And you can also follow Kendall. She's at Kendall Bennett 16. Thanks so much for joining us.